Before we get started, just a quick heads up. In this episode, we talk about school lockdown drills, which may not be appropriate for our younger listeners. Hi, I'm Maisie Perry. This is Kids These Days, a podcast by teens about teens from Community High School in Ann Arbor and Michigan Radio. My generation grew up in the shadow of the September 11th attacks. Columbine happened before we were born, but we've been hearing about school shootings in the news ever since we were old enough to go to school. We've grown up in an age of fear. And on this episode, we're going to look at how that's shaped our lives, starting with lockdown drills. Anya Jacobson is a senior, and like so many of us, she's been doing lockdown drills since elementary school. In fourth grade, I sat in the corner during a lockdown drill while my teacher stood at the door holding a baseball bat. In seventh grade, my teacher mapped out an escape route for the class into the neighborhoods behind the school. Every student is familiar with that lump that forms in your throat when you hear the PA buzz. We've become accustomed to the procedures that must be followed during an active shooter drill. We turn off our phones, stay silent, and get out of the view of any windows. Two years ago, two people who didn't go to our school walked into the building around midday. School staff had no way to know if those two people posed a threat or if they had a weapon. So the head of our school, who we call Dean Marcy, made the decision to go into a hard lockdown. Teachers and staff pushed us into classrooms and locked the doors. Some teachers stood at the doors holding fire extinguishers to use as a weapon, while students crouched behind them. Kids quickly sent out text messages to each other, to their families. Rumors were flying around about who those two people were and why they were in the building. Sitting down to make this podcast, we realized that we never really talked about how scary this whole thing felt. And there were a lot of emotions that we'd been holding in. So we decided we needed to talk about it for our own mental health. What follows is a retelling of that day from two students. One who was inside the school, and one who wasn't. We'll start with the one who was miles away from the school during the lockdown. Geneve Thomas Palmer is a junior now, but when the lockdown happened, she was a freshman at Community. She was in the jazz program, and she and a bunch of other jazz students were on a school trip down to Tennessee. We all go and learn a lot about music. Like, it's a very busy time, but it's also a lot of fun. We also talked to Lacey Cooper a community high student who was in the building during the lockdown. She was also a freshman at the time. At first, I think everyone was just kind of confused. Community high school, this is Dean Marcy. I need everyone to go to lockdown immediately. When the PA announcement went on, Lacey was in the library with Jerry, the librarian. I wasn't sure if it was like actually a lockdown for real or if it was just a drill. It felt different than, like, other times when we were told explicitly, like, this is a drill, but Jerry had just said, like, you need to get back here. It was scary, but I wasn't sure, like, if me being scared was ridiculous or not. I remember we were about to go on this, like, infamous little uh, adventure thing where we walk barefoot blindfolded in the woods and... I remember someone, I think it was a senior named Emily, looked down at her phone and was like, guys, there's a lockdown going on at community. Once we found out that it was like 
definitely not just a lockdown drill. I thought of like all of the stories and like news stories and articles that I had read and like heard interviews about and seen social media posts about. I remember my middle school group chat and everybody was texting like, hey, we heard that there's like a possibly armed person at community. Like, are you guys okay? Like, what's happening? And we were all just like, we don't know what's happening. So I checked my phone to see if I had any notifications about it. I think I had one or two maybe from my family. But other than that, uh, it, it wasn't much. And I remember texting my mom. And I told her, they think there might be like a school shooter here. We're all on lockdown. If anything happens, I love you. And... She just texted back, like, be safe, like, I love you. And it wasn't just me. Like, lots of students were texting their parents, like, crying. People were, I was crying. I had tears going down my face. And it was just honestly probably one of the scariest things I've experienced. Since my dad is a teacher at Community, my first thought was, is my dad going to be shot and killed? And what if I'm not there? And what if I don't know about it for hours and hours afterwards? Like, what will my family do then? What will it be like to have, like, a single mom being the breadwinner and trying to raise me and my sister? How will I cope if my dad dies? What will I regret, like, telling him or not telling him? It's like, you know that that moment in a movie where there's like this big reveal and like all of the sound cuts out and there's just like a really close-up shot on that one person? I felt like I was in that moment, like nothing else really mattered. It was just like my thoughts racing. In the end, those two strangers walking through the halls weren't school shooters. They were just two students from a different high school. And luckily, everyone was safe. We know all too well that could have gone the other way, like it has for too many students across the country. These lockdown drills, they have an effect on us. When that PA system comes on, our hearts begin to race. It's just one more thing that feeds into the anxiety we have growing up in this age of fear. There's something different about really being there and feeling that fear that makes you realize like, oh, this is something that could happen to me, to us. And it was so sudden, it was real. Lacey Cooper and Geneve Thomas Palmer both just finished their junior year at Community High School. You're listening to Kids These Days. Coming up after the break. So far, I've had (laughs) Four dance parties, three mental breakdowns, and I think six FaceTime calls with family, and eight FaceTime calls with friends. So it kind of feels like the world is ending. How we're dealing with two big threats, COVID-19 and global warming. We'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Maisie Perry. This is Kids These Days a podcast about what we're thinking about, laughing about, and stressing about. Our generation, Gen Z, has been hit with two defining events that will shape our lives in ways we can't even anticipate. The looming threat of climate change and the more immediate threat of COVID-19. 
Let's start with COVID-19 and some of the questions that have been dominating our thoughts. What if I've had COVID-19 and I don't even know it? Do my parents have it? Do what I if have I gave it? it to someone Will else? things ever feel normal again? More than 110,000 people in the U.S. have died because of the coronavirus. We don't know how all of this will play out. How many more people will die? When will we get a vaccine? When will we ever go to school again? We asked freshman Scarlett London to record a diary to capture what it's like to live with all of this fear and uncertainty. She started recording the day we found out school was put on hold. At the time, it was only for three weeks. But we all know how that actually played out. Today is March 12th. I'm Scarlett, and that's my mom. It'll, it'll oh be April gosh. 6th before you that's possibly crazy. can set foot back in school. So what are you guys thinking about right now? I'm happy because I don't have to be in school, and it's obviously, like, less stress. But it's also, like, there's so many unanswered questions. Like, like am I going to be able to do anything? And camp, too. Like, oh, are we going to be able to go to camp? That's my little brother Malcolm talking about camp. And this question of whether or not camp would happen this year quickly became one of my biggest concerns. Because this camp, the camp I go to, is special. Camp Interlochen is a Jewish camp in Wisconsin. My dad went there as a kid, now me and my brother go there. It's my happy place, it's where all my friends are. Whenever I feel stressed or sad during the school year, I remember camp and I feel a little bit better knowing that there's something to look forward to. Coronavirus put a big pause on that. All these certainties in my life suddenly became tenuous. So I did pretty much all I could do. I waited and tried to adjust to this new normal. All right, it's about 4 p.m. My mom is on another conference call, so I don't want to disturb her. But I just finished all of my homework. That's due tomorrow and today. So I'm going to go downstairs and find something to do. Let's see, I could eat. That's always a good possibility. One that I've been taking advantage of. You sure you don't want to play a game? Just food. <laughs> just food. <laughs> I'm just going to warm up some pasta. But still, it never felt normal normal. So far, I've had four dance parties, three mental breakdowns, and I think six FaceTime calls with family, and eight FaceTime calls with friends. So... <laughs> It kind of feels like the world is ending. So I've been focusing on things I can control, like exchanging letters with friends, going on runs, and driving. So, first thing you do when you get in the car, adjust the seat, adjust the mirrors. Since driver's ed is put on hold, my dad's been taking me out to practice. <gasps> dad, 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 I don't want to drive with another car. Stop, 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 it's not We're funny. We're gonna stop at the stop sign, it's fine. They're it's just, they're just driving in the parking lot. Stop at the stop sign. Make sure there's nobody coming. Okay, well, Dad, I don't want to turn. We're going to turn back. There's and... another car. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. You can wait for them. Dad! It's a work in progress. Being with family has helped a lot during this time, too. I had a bat mitzvah in 2018, and we still have a bunch of leftover kippahs, or kippot, I guess. And so we are folding them up and using them as surgical masks. So we're sewing them right now. And I'm kind of sad because we're ruining them. 
No. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. It's, a we're doing, it's a mitzvah. It's a good deed. In the Jewish tradition, this is repurposing to a higher and better purpose. Um, and I think that our religion approves of this. That's good. I'm sure it approves, but I don't really approve. Well, I guess I approve. That's fine. I'm just a little bit sad. I mean, we're ruining them. So, like I mentioned, I go to a Jewish camp, and that's because I'm Jewish. Judaism has always been an important part of my life, and no matter where I am, I always try to stay in touch with the community. But the reality is, the place I feel most connected to my Jewish heritage is at camp. That's what I mean. This place really means the world to me. Oh my god, I miss her so much. Honestly, I miss all of my friends from camp. That was my friend Shayna leading a Zoom sing-along my camp put on while we were all waiting to hear about whether or not camp was going to happen. A lot of these songs are in Hebrew, and they all just bring up so many good memories for me. It's bittersweet. Since coronavirus hit us, I'd been waiting. Camp admin kept going back and forth about when they would make their decision about programming this year. And then they did. They made a decision, and like with everything else, they held a Zoom meeting. The guidelines that the CDC is requiring for us to follow are so restrictive that they will not allow us to run a program that it all represents the Camp Interlochen that we know and love. Without contact sports, that means no touch ball. So I guess I'm like kind of in shock. Like I like I can't I can't imagine not going to camp. The news hit me pretty hard. The rest of my week was spent on FaceTime with camp friends, crying, sharing memories, wondering when we would see each other next. Coronavirus has meant certainties are no longer certain. Plans have changed, questions go unanswered. But sometimes, bad situations can have silver linings. Stop. Oh We're God. getting a puppy. No, stop. You're kidding. <laughs> stop. What? Stop. What? What? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm serious. Today was probably, actually, for sure, the best day in quarantine ever. So we're getting, we're getting a puppy. And they've been thinking about it for a while, apparently. But then when camp got canceled, um, they wanted us to have something to look forward to, I guess. So they told us that we were going to get a puppy. So now it's pretty late. So I'm going to go to sleep. But yeah, it's been a really good day. That was freshman Scarlet London. I'm Maisie Perry. This is Kids These Days. The first half of our lives is already being reshaped because of COVID-19. But the climate crisis will surely reshape the second half of our lives, if we still have a livable planet by then. The immediate threat posed by climate change is on full display in Greenland. Now to Australia, where they're facing those massive fires. Hurricane Maria slamming into the island, and as you heard... Dire warning about climate change. Climate change, change. climate change. Silva Das is a sophomore. She's been living in fear of climate change ever since she first heard about it in middle school. I remember it was one of the warmest years on record, and I witnessed firsthand how an unnatural warm spell in February killed all the spotted salamanders living in the woods near my house and all over Washtenaw County. 
And I also remember thinking, if climate change can disrupt my life in a place like Ann Arbor, what could it do to people in other parts of the world? Like my cousins in India and my best friend who is living in Nepal. Would climate change make their lives harder? Then when I began high school, I realized that I was not alone in my worries. So many other teens were scared too. We're scared because our futures are on the line. Youth are the ones that are going to be living on this planet. We also have a greater stake in this. That is Zainab El-Kolalai. She is 18 and goes to a community college in Michigan. She is also a full-time climate justice activist. This is going to be our planet and our children's planet and their children's planet um, for the next, well, however long the Earth exists. So not only are we fighting to protect our planet, but we are protecting the vulnerable people on those planets. Zainab was in elementary school when she started noticing injustices in her community. She is Muslim, and she began wearing a hijab regularly when she was 10 years old, and she noticed how others treated her when she wore it. Even as a little kid, she knew that this wasn't fair and tried to talk about it with her classmates, but they just looked at her like she was crazy. As she got older, she noticed all kinds of other injustices around her and has been fighting for justice ever since, for racial justice, for gender justice, for climate justice. My poor mother has to worry about me getting arrested constantly, but in the end, it's all worth it because I figure if somebody else isn't doing it, then why not do it yourself? Fighting for climate justice 24-7 like Zainab and so many other teens do can be very overwhelming and scary. It's a huge global issue. But that doesn't stop Zainab. It makes her work even harder. Zainab eats, sleeps, and breathes climate justice. She pours herself into the fight, and it's definitely taken a toll on her mental health. I did not leave any time for myself. It was just school and changing the world. I didn't get time to read, (laughs) barely eat or sleep. And I realized that for me and for every single other young activist in the world, you cannot save the world without saving yourself first. She eventually found a balance that worked for her. And today she spends most of her time working with less privileged people and people of color who are already feeling the worst effects of climate change. People who have to put their lives on the line every day just for things like clean water and air. Even right here in Ann Arbor, you don't have to go far to see this. Flint, Michigan has been in the news for a couple of years now because of their unsafe drinking water that has poisoned hundreds of people. And in Detroit, less than an hour from home, there's the zip code 48217, a predominantly African-American neighborhood which has been deemed the most toxic place in Michigan. We need to do more to highlight indigenous and um, POC youth, and we also need to support their work more, uh, not just through social media, but through meaningful action. There's a lot of people that I've talked to, mostly kids in high school, um, who are scared about what's happening but, and also want to take action, but they don't have a lot of time or resources to do that. And I was wondering if you have any, like, suggestions of what they could do. Well, first of all, this is something that I always say when a question of this nature comes up. This is coming from an extreme point of privilege when students don't necessarily have the time to commit um, to climate activism. Because 
as we have seen, indigenous youth and youth color have no choice. They don't ha they don't have the privilege of deciding that they don't have time to fight for their planet and fight for systemic justice. They have to. So as far as how youth that are not directly um, life-threateningly involved in this or impacted by it, they need to be amplifying the work of the people that do. You can post on social media, which has become a huge part of justice movements for our generation. You can get out in the streets to protest and rally. And there are lots of supporting roles. You can feed protesters or drive people to demonstrations. All that work can help amplify the work of indigenous people and people of color. As I think about the climate crisis and the climate movement in reaction to what we've seen happen here with COVID, I hope that this helps us center issues of racial justice and inequities. That's Sarah Soderstrom. She's a professor at the University of Michigan, and she studies how corporations and individuals work to address sustainability and climate issues. She said the rapid spread of COVID-19 created kind of a forced break to life as we knew it. It also in many ways has brought us together in a more shared direction. She thinks it could act as a potential reset for the climate movement and for all of the broken aspects of our society. How can we imagine this future that corrects for some of this, that engages in a different type of of space that isn't back to normal, back to what used to be, but is really forward to a, a new vision and a new imaginary, a new future, um, this new normal. Soderstrom says that to reach this new future will be hard, but she says teenagers are the ones who are going to be making it happen. And her students and other teens around her inspire her and make her hopeful every day. I think you have had a focus on equity, inclusion, and activism in a way that I think is really impressive and yet can be very scary because you see a problem and you focus on a problem that is overwhelming, that often doesn't have clear solutions. My hope is that you all continue to recognize those problems, imagine ways of overcoming and engaging with these issues to lead to make it better. Sarah Soderstrom, 18-year-old Zainab El-Kolalai, and other teens I have talked to think hope is one of the most powerful tools we have. Because even with all that's going on in the world, and everything we hear that makes us scared every day, there will always be bright lights of hope leading us through. For Zainab, that hope is in all the activists she works with, and her Islamic faith. For Sarah, that hope is in her students and other teenagers around her. And for me, I find hope and inspiration in going outside to the woods near my house, where my fear of climate change originated, reminding me that this world has so much to offer. So go outside and find that woods, that person, that story that gives you hope and inspiration, and then go out and change the world. You've been listening to Kids These Days. On the next episode, we're going to talk about something that so many of us struggle with. People ask me what it's like to live with this constant feeling all the time. 
it feels like you want to crawl out of your own skin or like that stomach dropping feeling you get on a roller coaster, but all the time. What it's like to live with anxiety next time on the podcast. Kids These Days is a collaboration between Community High School in Ann Arbor and Michigan Radio. And here are the students who worked on this episode. Reporting by Anya Jacobson, Ava Kaczynski, Ella Rosewarn, Scarlett London, and Silva Doss. Editing help from Jordan DePadova, Maisie Perry, and Ruby Taylor. Jordan DePadova and Max Steiger wrote our theme song. Mia Goldstein created the logo. Additional music by Daniel Bennett and Blue Dot Sessions. Rachel Ishikawa is the senior producer. Jennifer Guerra is the executive producer. Bob Scon is our engineer. This episode was edited by Jennifer Guerra with help from Sarah Hewlett. Thanks to Michigan Radio's Zoe Clark, Vince Duffy, Jody Westrick, Emma Winowicki, Paulette Parker, Katie Raymond, and special thanks to our teacher, Tracy Anderson. I'm Maisie Perry. See you next time.